world is noisy, God Whispers, the podcast, is a production of Journeys Revealed Ministries. Glorify the Lord by your life. To learn more about this Catholic nonprofit apostolate, visit the website journeysrevealed.com. And now on with this month's show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The World is Noisy, God Whispers, the podcast. I'm your host, Julia Monin, author of the book, The World is Noisy, God Whispers. It is November already. We are um, preparing Well, I am preparing right now. I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but I'm preparing to celebrate the great solemnity of All Saints Day, one of my favorite feast days on the calendar all year long. What a great day, day where we can honor not only the saints that we know by name, the saints we honor all year round, our canonized saints, but those that maybe aren't in the liturgical calendar, those that we we don't know that haven't been canonized. And we think about this communion of saints praying for us, living with God in eternal life. Whoa, what a what an awesome, awesome day. What a great month. Um, thinking of that, thinking about the lives of the saints, these men and women who have gone before us, who give us this great example of faith. Um, reading a book right now um, about one of these great saints that have gone before us. And I know what you're thinking. You're, I, I, you know what? I'm going to give you a guess. guess give, I'll give you three guesses right now. Three guesses right now in the privacy of your own home or your own car, because this is a fun game that we're going to start out today's episode with. What saint do you think I'm reading a book about? Go ahead right now. I'll give you a few minutes. Three guesses. Three guesses. You guys are all probably guessing a Carmelite saint. I'm sure, right? If you've been following me, you're probably saying St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Teresa of Jesus, St. John of the Cross. Maybe she's really going on a limb. She's reading St. Edith Stein or St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. I don't know. But guess what? You're wrong. I am actually reading about um, a great saint, a saint that has gone before us, but not a Carmelite saint, a saint that actually walks with Jesus that, that we read about in sacred scripture itself, St. Mary Magdalene. Oh, and I know I've written about Mary Magdalene before, and, and you've probably seen that. And, and you know, what, a, what an awesome saint. I'm preparing for um, something at our parishes where I get to give a little presentation on St. Mary Magdalene. So she's been a lot in my prayer and in my study. And I'm reading just an awesome book, and I'm going to give you the name of it now. I'll put it in the show notes as well so you can see the title of it in case you want to go find it yourself. But it's called St. Mary Magdalene. Prophetess of Eucharistic Love by Father Sean Davidson. And Sean is spelled S-E-A-N Davidson, and it's um, published by Ignatius Press. But in this book, not only is it giving the, I'm not very far in it right now, but it's already like rocking my world and setting my my fire on love with the Lord, which, you know, that's what a good book will do to you. Um, but anyway, in the book, it's talking about just traditionally the, the story of St. Mary Magdalene and what we can gain from her or what we learn from, about her in the scriptures and then what we learn about her with tradition as well. But there's one line in particular that I read in adoration um, last week that really struck me. And as I read it, and I've been pondering, you know, my own life and like the, the way this book is written, like it just, uh, it's so easy for me to place myself in this, in this story and to, um, again, find a kindred soul in, in St. Mary Magdalene when I think about my own story and my own return to the Lord. Um, but anyway, there was a line that really struck me. And as it struck me, it got me thinking about my initial steps uh, of conversion. What, like what initially did I do in order to return to the Lord? And again, if you've been following me closely for the last several years, if you've read my book, if you've heard my witness story before, then again, you're probably guessing that you already know what my first steps were back to the Lord. 
at least one of the first major steps back to the Lord, of course, was the, going back to the sacrament of reconciliation. Prior to that was just beginning to pray, you know, day in and day out. And again, this wasn't like I was entering the heights of contemplative prayer. These were just simple prayers. I was praying words on a page, but it was just that action of, of attempting to turn my heart to the Lord, attempting to recognize that, hey, I think maybe there's a God and it's not me. So maybe I should start talking to this God type of a thing. And again, prayer eventually led to receiving enough grace to make a retrip to the sacrament of reconciliation, which is really where my healing really began, right? It really took off. But even long before that, even long before, um, entering into a life of prayer, um, focusing on praying every day, one Lent, making returns to confession, there was something else in my life that I had never forgotten, but the Lord has just recently reminded me of it. Um, And reading this book brought it up again, and I'm going to share that with you today. And it ties in really beautifully as well. I'm recording this podcast on October 31st because, you know, I release these two on the first and I'm never ahead of things. So anyway, last minute as always. But um, the gospel from the lectionary this past Sunday, which would have been the 31st Sunday in ordinary time, was from Luke, and it was the story of Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus who climbs the tree, right? And the Lord calls him by name and says, today I must dine or must come to your house, right? Come down Zacchaeus. And I'll open here with that passage to refresh your memory. But there's a, there's a tie in too, I think, at least what I've been pondering here with, with the story I want to share with you, with what I'm gaining from this book about St. Mary Magdalene and this one line, which I'll read to you here in a second. And then the story of Zacchaeus. And I think we can all probably find something incredibly relatable in our own walks with the Lord. Perhaps it was that moment of grace that really turned our hearts to the Lord. Maybe and maybe we haven't had that yet. Maybe maybe the Lord is beckoning you through this podcast, through listening to this. I don't know, maybe this podcast fell into your lap in some providential way. And this might be, you know, this might be the, the something that stirs that grace to say, okay, he's looking at you, look back at him and make a response type of a thing. Um, so anyway, we're going to unpack that today in today's show. Um, let's go ahead and put ourselves in the presence of God and open with prayer. I'm going to begin with that gospel I just mentioned. Again, this is gospel according to Luke, and it comes from chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have exhorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. A man there named Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. He couldn't see him because of the crowd, so he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree, And Jesus looks up and says to him, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And Zacchaeus came down quickly and received him with joy. 
We'll keep unpacking that as we go with the episode, but keep that in mind. Ponder that in your heart as we continue to talk. What struck me in this book that I'm reading was a sentence that reads, there comes a moment of grace in every sinner's life when he must make some choice upon which his salvation depends. At times, it is something very simple. And perhaps in the case of Magdalene, it was no more than the acceptance of an invitation to hear the new rabbi of whom all Galilee was talking. So I'm going to read that opening line. There comes a moment of grace in every sinner's life when he must make some choice upon which his salvation depends. At times, it is something very simple. A choice. There comes a place, a moment of grace. We have to make a choice. Okay. And again, looking back at the story of Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He's a wealthy man. He's not liked by the people. He's not liked by the crowds. And yet his heart is drawn to want to see this Jesus. He wants to see this Jesus so much so that, again, we can go back and we can say this could possibly be, it likely is, that moment of grace in his life when he made a choice upon which his salvation depend. What was that choice that he made? And, and perhaps it, this is something simple. The choice that Zacchaeus made in the gospel we read at the beginning of the show was that he ran ahead of the crowds and climbed a tree so that he could see Jesus, right? He made that intentional effort to go out from himself, to get out from what he was doing, to run ahead so he could actually get a spot where he could see Jesus. He placed himself in a place where he could make eye contact with the Lord, right? Or or make eye contact, or I guess I shouldn't say that he expected the Lord to make eye contact back with him. That was just like over and above all, I'm sure what he was expecting when he climbed the tree. But anyway, he responded to that grace. He made some choice. And ultimately that did end the track of his salvation. And Jesus tells him that himself. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. So this simple choice that Zacchaeus made to simply run ahead of the crowd, to depart himself from the group, to get out of his rut, to climb the tree, and to look towards Jesus was enough for the Lord to act, right? And then, of course, we get this beautiful exchange, which I could spend a whole nother episode unpacking, um, but this beautiful exchange where, where Jesus looks to Zacchaeus, gazes at him, and says, come down quickly. Today, I must stay at your house. This longing that Jesus has to stay with him. And of course, we can look at the house as not only like a physical dwelling that we live in, but house is often also compared with like our souls, like our souls as a house is referred to that oftentimes. And so we can say, we can look at this as like Jesus coming to each one of us and saying, come down from there. I must stay at your house. I want to dwell in you. I want to stay in your house. I want to, I want to be in you, right? And of course, what else does Zacchaeus do in this God? gospel. He doesn't claim this card of like false humility, right? Oh, no, no, I'm not worthy. Oh, no, I just am here to like see you. I didn't actually want to talk to you. Like, no, this guy over here, you don't know, Lord, I'm such a sinful person. I don't think I deserve to talk to you or you can't come to my house. What does what does the gospel tell us? It says that Zacchaeus came down quickly and received him with joy. He had the humility to come down to receive him. The Lord offered him a great gift, even though he was unworthy. The Lord came to seek him out, placed his gaze upon him, and that elicited some sort of change. It was the catalyst to Zacchaeus essentially uh, receiving what the Lord had to offer. And we know that that's difficult, isn't it? It's one thing to ask the Lord to come dwell with us, to seek him out, and then we hear and we want to receive his mercy. That's a whole other thing, isn't it, to actually receive it, to actually say, you know what, Christ died for me. And I believe that he died for me. And I believe my sins died with him on the cross. And I am going to receive his love. 
whew, we can look at that and say, wow, Zacchaeus was really, really, really cooperating with some graces there in his life, was he not? Yes. <laughs> um, and so we look at that as an example as well. Um, and again, going back to like this story of, of St. Mary Magdalene, who we read about in scripture was, of course, lost in a life of sin of her own, somebody who had fallen away from the Lord and from his good grace and was really living a life of sin, living a life of culture. And what was this simple act of grace that she cooperated with, this moment of grace? Um, again, might be something simple in her case. Maybe it was just that she, you know, she heard about this, this teacher who was walking around um, and everybody was talking about this new rabbi and maybe she just drew herself out of her ordinary crowd, out of the, the crowd she was following, out of the, the life of the culture she was leaving, even if it was just for what she thought was going to be one evening, one evening away from it all. But it radically changed her life. And we can imagine that same encounter happening with, with her, which we read about, uh, Mary in scripture, where the Lord, you know, coming before the sinful woman, right? And and that gaze, when the Lord gazes at you, oof, be it in scripture you're reading or something you're reading, or maybe through the words of somebody else, uh, maybe through like the lives of the saints, or whatever it is, like his gaze has the power to transform us, does it not? Like drops us to our knees and fills us with his love. And our job is simply to respond to it, respond to it. So here we have two examples of the saints that have gone before us, uh, the men and women we read about in scripture. One, uh, Zacchaeus, again, what was this simple response of grace that he made that ultimately changed the trajectory of his life? He left the crowd. He ran ahead of the crowd. He climbed the tree so that he could see Jesus. In the story of St. Mary Magdalene, what was it for her? Well, perhaps the same thing. She pulled herself away from the crowd she was following, even if it was only for an evening, to just go listen to this rabbi speak. Again, okay, so we see that. We see that. So what is? what was it with you? What was the one thing, this simple act, um, maybe early on in your walk with the Lord, something um, early on in your conversion to him, um, where you just, you knew, oh, my life is empty. It's incomplete. This is not what I wanted. Uh, I, I seem to have everything I've wanted my whole life. I have the marriage. I have the family. I have the house. I have the cars. I have the job. Everything. Everything I want, I have. And yet I'm empty inside. I don't know. Maybe that was your experience. What was it? What was that simple act that made you turn your heart to the Lord and say, you know what? There must be something else. If I'm not complete in all the things of the world, then what is actually going to complete me? And like I said, maybe maybe you're not at that point yet. Maybe you're not at the point. Maybe you're at the point where you're still seeking the the joys and all the worldly things and all the cultural things. And you think, well, just if I could just have this, if I just had it, if that was taken care of, if this was taken care of, then I would be happy and content. And maybe the Lord is slowly drawing you to this place of making this simple act, the simple act of responding to his grace to really just gaze at him and say, you know what? No, I made for more. I made for more. And I'm never going to be complete with the things in this world that I'm trying to consume my life with. It needs to come from God with God and needs to really pour out for God, for my love for him. So what was it for you? Maybe something you can ponder. And if, again, if it hasn't been something that's already been like a moment of conversion for you, then open your eyes. Where might the Lord be dwelling right now in you, around you? Where might he be wanting you to run, to climb a tree? I'm assuming figuratively, but if, hey, if you're feeling called to actually climb a tree, I'm not going to stop you. But what might be where the Lord is asking you to look up? I'm right here. Come to me. I've been here the whole time, right? The gospel we opened up with, the son of man has come, what? To condemn us? To remind us of how sinful we are and how unworthy we are of God's love? No. The son of man has come to seek and to save what was lost. He is seeking us. He wants to be found. He's not the one hiding. 
We often just are in a habit of hiding ourselves. But the second we look up, the second we open our eyes, the second we open our ears, we notice he's been here all along. We were just ignoring it or we were oblivious to it in some way. Or what's most likely is we were just so bombarded with the noise, the noise of the world, the noise of the evil one, the noise of our own flesh, our own desires, our own passions, that we just couldn't hear him. We couldn't see him. So I promised I was going to um, share with you just, you know, my own awakening call. Like before I made the return to confession, before I resolved to, you know what, this is going to be the month that something changes. I'm going to actually attempt to pray every day instead of giving something up like I've done every other year. Before those, there was something else. And again, I never realized it was such a pivotal moment in my soul's journey. I really thought it was just a ridiculous story from my hard partying college days. Um, That was just so silly and insane that... um, meant nothing and had no meaning but I have since come to realize oh that was like a pivotal moment in my soul's journey it wasn't the end there was so much work to go um so much so much that had to happen to like where I was then to what, what the Lord had to do in me to where I was then and where I am today so much so much so much and yet that was like the first moment like Zacchaeus in the gospel or like perhaps Mary Magdalene or like the great sinners we, we read about when we read about the, that became great saints the, that we leave, read about in the lives of the saints. Like that was the moment where I finally opened my eyes, looked around, noticed he was there all along and then asked for help and received it when somebody reached out a hand figuratively and said, I'll help you, right? So what was this story? Again, this is not going to be an episode where I disclose all the crazy things I did as a young person that's not for this and you know that died with the Lord on on Calvary on the cross and so it's not something he's asking me to relive and it's not something I'm going to do but again because this played such a pivotal role in my return to him I'm going to share it and I'm doing this again because I I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast most of you have probably had a situation like this where you've had to make some sort of like bold decision to like okay Lord I'm going to follow you and maybe you just don't realize it because like I said this is a memory that I've had my whole life, but it's never something that until recently that I've realized was such a pivotal thing. And now that I've realized that, it's made me like in awe of the Lord all over again. Like it's really made me love him all over again. Like, oh my goodness, he was really there. He was there the whole time. All I had to do was look up. All I had to do was look up. And again, that makes me in awe. And I'm, I'm hoping maybe this will give you some ponderings in your own life and, and perhaps that might stir the same in your own soul, a moment to, to put him in awe at how he's been at work in your life all along too. So, okay, rewind. Young, 20-ish something girl, right? Hard life of partying, living a life of the culture. You know that about me. I've not been shy about that. It was not good. Living a life of mortal sin. Yes, 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 yes. There was a moment though towards the end of all of this or really prior to... Um, prior to me making a return to the sacrament of confession and resolving to pray every day, right? There just came a point towards the end of my college career that like, I was just done. I was becoming so deadened inside. I was becoming so numb. I was becoming so um, just distressed and and in despair. And yeah, just to put it simply, I was done. I was done with the life I was living. I was done with all the drinking. I was done with all the partying. I was just done. Of course, I didn't know how to get out of it. Um, it was still very much, you know, the lifestyle and, and what I was what I was doing and what we were all doing. And I didn't know like how to get out of it or how like to to stop. But there was one part, one point that again was like very pivotal in my own walk with the Lord. And so we're out. I'm out with friends, and we're out, and we're doing the same thing that we've always done, and we're we're hanging out, and we're having a good time. And by the time we got to like bar number two or bar number three, like it was just like. I, 
I'm done. I am just done with this. And yet I know like the crowd's going to keep going all night long. And yet I got to get out of here. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm numb as numb can be. And I just, I'm done. And yet I had the wisdom. I was in the city at a time and I at least had the wisdom and the grace to know that I can't walk back like to, um, to the apartment I was staying in by myself. Cause that's unsafe. So again, the Lord's grace was with me on that one. And I didn't attempt to walk back by myself. But I'm like, I can't stay in this bar another second. Like, it's like, you know, I was almost suffocating, you know, like suffocating interiorly. Like, I have to get out of here. I have to get out of here. And I looked up and I remember seeing at the edge of the bar two like strong, burly police officers, right? And I don't know why there were two police officers in the bar, in like a college bar that night. I don't know. In all my days of partying, I don't remember just seeing officers hang out in a bar. You know, it's not like something that they would do unless they were like there on the job getting somebody, you know, I don't know. Either way, I remember looking up in my despair and confusion and seeing these two strong, burly police officers, you know, standing at the edge of the bar. And I just, the thought occurred to me, you know what? I got to get out of here. I can't walk home by myself. I wasn't like smart enough. This was like before Uber or anything like that. Wasn't smart enough to get myself a cab. I'm just going to ask these guys if they'll take me home. And then I had the thought like, that's inappropriate. They're working. Their job is not to be a taxi cab driver to like take, you know, young drunk women home from the bar. Right. Um, But still, I'm like, I'm going to, they can tell me no, you know, they can tell me no if they, if they can't do it. And, and so I walked up to them. I told them the situation. I said, you know, I'm here with friends and they're just, they're not ready to go home and I'm just done and I need to go home. And I don't, I can't walk to, you know, to the apartment by myself. It's not safe. And I, you can tell me no. And I remember telling them that too. You can tell me no. If I understand, I'm kind of like overstepping my bounds, overstepping my boundaries. Um, But would you be willing to give me a ride? And I can still remember to this day, the two of them looking at each other. And it's like they said something to each other in the gaze. I don't know what that something was, but I was just watching it because they never like talked or whatever. It was probably like, yeah, we're not really supposed to do this. But also, I think we need to take this. We we need to take this woman home. We need to take this girl home. Right. So anyway, they looked at each other for a hot second. Then they both looked at me and they said, yeah, we can take you home. So wow, just recalling this is like stirring something in me. Sorry. Um, so I went back and I told the, told the friends I was with that, Hey, um, I talked to, talked to the police officers here and I'm done for the night and I'm going to, I'm just going to have them take me back to the apartment. Okay. Everybody was fine with that, of course. So I went back and of course they're, they're driving like, um, they weren't driving like an ordinary police car. They were driving, I don't know, we always called it the drunk wagon, the drunk take. I don't know. It was, you know, like the big thing that had like the, the, um, I don't even know what that's called. Anyway, we're like, you know, they'd pick up people who were uh, intoxicated and they'd put them in the back. I don't know what that's called. I'm I'm so sorry. Anyway, so they let me sit up front with them. So here I am in the front of this big vehicle with these two big, burly, strong police officers. And they let me crawl in the middle and I'm they're pulling up. And finally, we get up to the apartment I was staying at. And it was so funny watching everybody like all the cars slow down in front of the police car, watching all the kids who are on the front lawn partying when we pulled up to the apartment, like put their drinks down ever so, like trying to be very casual about it, like trying to be sneaky. And I'm like, 
as I'm sitting in the front of the seat, I'm like thinking to myself, like, that's really obvious. Is it always that obvious? I asked one of the guys are like looking at me like, yeah, it really always is that obvious. No one is getting away with anything. <laughs> like, but anyway, so, you know, I just, I jumped out of the, jumped out of the vehicle and I told them both, thank you. And I walked in and went to the apartment. And of course that wasn't the end. It's not like the next morning I woke up and I was this new person and my life had forever changed. And I was back to confession and back to mass and back to praying and, and everything was over and woof, I'm a new, I'm a new person, right? No, of course not. But that was in my life as, again, as we talked about here, there comes a moment of grace in every sinner's life when he must make some choice upon which his salvation depends. At times, it's something very simple. And in my life, that was that moment of grace in in my sinner's life where it was like, I made the choice. Like, I am done with this. I am done with this. I have to get out of here. I am suffocating. I don't know where I'm going from this point on. I don't know how any of this is getting fixed. But I know the first step is I have to get out. I have to get out of this bar that I'm in right now. And the second I have that and I come to that realization and I look up and my help is right there. And I think part of the reason why I was kind of tearing up is I was sharing that with you because that's, again, it's like that realization of, God was there all along. He was there all along. The whole time he was there, all I had to do was look up. All I had to do was run away from the crowd for even just a second, like we read about with Zacchaeus. Get ahead of the crowd for just a second. Climb the tree just to get away from people for just a second. And I could see him. He was clear as day. And he was gazing right at me. And of course, those men could have told me no, and the story could have been different, but they didn't. It was yes. And it's like we look up and we look up and we say, oh, God is right there. And he sends you the help that you need in that moment to draw you to him. And right now, that's what that at that moment, that's all I needed. I just needed a ride home. I just needed a ride home. So again, I don't share that with you as like, this is the Julia Monantello episode, right? This isn't, this isn't what this episode is about. It's just, that was such a simple part of my past life that for so many years I overlooked as like, that was just something silly I did. Like who does that? Who actually just like asked for a ride home from two cops? Like no one does that. That's such a strange thing. And I've even laughed about it as I've shared it in the past. Like that was such a silly thing. And it wasn't until very recently that I realized, whoa, that was that simple action, cooperating with the Lord's grace to say, I want out of here and I want you. And I don't know what that looks like and I don't know where this is leading and I'm and I and I don't know anything. I just know that I want out of here and I want you. And the Lord as he does unfolded it all from there. And again, it wasn't easy and it took work and it took grace and it took prayer and it took a return to the sacraments and it took healing and it took having so many difficult conversations and it took growing in virtue and uprooting vice and everything that it takes to allow the Lord his grace to uh to transform us. It took all of that and then some. But that was, that was like that initial simple response to a moment of grace that had come in my life at that moment. So again, I turn the question to you. Is there anything like that in your own life that perhaps you've overlooked all these years? A moment that God was powerfully present in perhaps a simple, ordinary way that you've never really thought about. A time where you've looked up and there he was and you realized there he was. He's been here all along. And maybe again, maybe you're not at that point yet. Maybe you're not at the point where you've seen him, where you've locked eyes on him, where you've, where you've um, witnessed his gaze or, or seen him looking back at you and you looking at him, where you've had that, that deep moment of conversion or recognize his help. And if that's the case, maybe he wants you to do it now. Look up. I assure you, he is right there. He has not gone anywhere. He dwells in us and he longs for us to be drawn to him. So he's not hiding from us. In fact, he's seeking us out. He's not hiding. 
As the gospel tells us, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. And he is longing with a longing, the same longing he had for Zacchaeus, for us to come down quickly. As he tells us all, today I must stay at your house. Mm, He's so good. He loves us so much. So may he give us the grace to open our eyes and to seek him and then to receive him as Zacchaeus did, to receive him in joy. Okay, that seems like a lot to ponder here. So we're going to kind of wrap this up. I'm going to end here with a reflection from my first book, The World is Noisy, God Whispers, Volume 1, My Wanderings. This is reflection number 152, and it's called Hide and Go Seek. If God came to us in all his splendor and in all his glory, who would approach him? Probably none of us. In fact, probably even the most courageous of us would run away in fear. Who, though, is afraid of approaching a baby? Who, though, is afraid of approaching something as simple as bread and wine? Sure, it's true that God comes to us, quote-unquote, under a veil, so to speak, but why? Why doesn't he just let us see all of him? I think it's because he longs for us to approach him. I think it's because he longs for us to come towards him. I think it's because he longs for us to get close. It, of course, would be easy to believe that God is somehow, quote-unquote, hiding from us. But I don't, I don't think we should mistake the innocence of a child for, the weakness, uh, for weakness or the simplicity of bread and wine for powerlessness. In fact, I think life kind of is like one big game of hide-and-go-seek. I just don't think God is the one hiding. Let us pray, my friends, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The world tells us to be afraid of you, Lord. The world tells us that you are out to condemn us, that our sins are unforgivable, and that we are unworthy of your love and mercy. But you tell us differently. Remove from us any fear we have about approaching you. Soften our hearts and give us the courage to walk towards you. Soften our hearts and give us the courage to turn back to you. Soften our hearts and give us the courage to receive your mercy. Call us out of hiding, Lord, and draw us into your loving presence. I love you. I thank you. I praise you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.